Bible. I um, really encourage you to read along. Um, so Matthew chapter 18, verses 1. Don't worry about those sheets right now. We'll refer to them in due time. Um, but let's, let's um, read today's passage. Um, so Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 to, I think we're going to verse 11. Alrighty. So, thanks, thanks, Dave. So reading along with me. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Well, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes such a child in my name welcomes me. If, sorry. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Okay, a bit to unpack there. Um, some of the more heavy bit that you would have noticed we'll certainly address a bit later. Um, so, we, we, this is not new. Um, we've heard... Hey, Glenn. Hey, God. Nice to cleanly shaven there. Uh, this is not new, this whole idea. We've certainly talked about this. The idea that we're to be like little children. Um, that God, that Jesus says, look, if you want to enter my kingdom, you need to be like a little child. Now, one of the ways we hear that culturally is probably a bit different to the emphasis of the passage. So we're in a culture that really romanticizes children. So when we say we need to be like little children, we often picture uh, the positive attributes of children that might we might need our faith might need to be like. But actually, um, it has a different sting to it in Jesus' day because they were in a society that didn't romanticize children like we did. In fact, children were kind of very low status in terms of... Um, now, in terms of... I guess they are low status in our society in the terms of they're still dependent, but children were not... Um, the, the way we kind of revolve family life around the needs of the child and the rhythms of our family around the needs of the child, that's a very Western way to do family. Um, and in these cultures, the children very much were not at all the, the, the pushes of the rhythm of the family. They were more like, work yourself out, a bit lower in status. And so when Jesus was saying to them, you need to be like a child, he was also saying, you need to, you need to enter this kingdom, you need to be like one who has low status. Um, and we've seen that in the people that Jesus has helped. I mean, lepers were people who, like children, could not make any demands of the society around them, right? Um, you know, we know that, um, and when he's talking about Gentiles and Romans, they're not low status in terms of the society, but it's in, Jew in Jewish eyes they're low status in terms of before God. They're definitely down near the bottom rung. But 
The aspect of a child that I really want to hone in on, that I think really relates the way that Jesus uh, means it, is that if you're someone of low status, if you're someone without authority, if you're someone without clout, then then you can't make demands of your environment. Like you can't, like you have to place your well-being in the hands of others. The thing about that baby that Kyle's holding is that that baby has to place its well-being in the hands of Kyle and Jane. No matter, you know, whether they're the good parents to be in or not, it's not like she can take care of that. Like she can't decide she's going out on her own and going to look after herself. Um, kids have to place their well-being in the hands of others. And that's such a good line to help you think about your faith before God. The way God wants you to approach your faith is He wants you to place your well-being in His hands. Much like a child has to just accept that they cannot live the life they're meant to live without placing their trust in some significant figure, um, God wants you to have the mindset that you cannot possibly live the life you, you're meant to live unless you place your well-being in His hands. You have to just trust Him. You have to just trust Him. And, you know, in this series we just did on um, the... Um, the kind of responding to Jesus series and if you missed any weeks and you want some of the sheets I've got the sheets um, if you'd like to do that some people came up and asked for last week's sheet which is great we've got those as well but the, one of the whole emphasis of that series is that the Christian life starts with you turning and receiving God because God is the one who has pursued you like we are the rebellious ones we are the ones who are stubborn we are the ones who sabotage ourselves and, and disconnect ourselves from God. God is the one who has pursued us. And, oh, there he is again. He's here everywhere. God is the one who has pursued us and, and died on the cross for us and come all this way for us. And all you need to do to start is turn and receive his care. And, and so, you know, the Christian life is actually about being humble enough to turn and receive it. You have to be happy with a child-parent relationship. You have to be happy with God being Father. He's Father. He knows best. He, he knows best. He knows what is good and what is right. And He knows what is good for you over and above you. So the Christian life starts with us accepting a child-parent relationship. You have to accept a low status. Now, Jesus, God, raises your status to be co-ruler with him, and there's that complex idea. But at the starting point, he is father. He is father, and we turn and receive that. I mean, he is the one who provides all we need. He is the one who tells us where to go. He is the one who forgives us and gives us a fresh start. It's all about leaning into his faith for us. And Jesus has been building this type of faith in them for a long time. So when they're in the storm, if you can imagine you're Jesus' disciples, you're in this crazy storm, you think you're going to drown, and it's just crazy. Jesus rebukes them and says, why are you afraid? After he comes the storm. In other words, he says, you have to be like a child. You have to be naive and go, right, God's in the boat, we'll be fine. Like, that's what he wants. He's trying to train them to have faith like children. Like, because that's how children are. I mean, I know if, if, if Micah and Daniel were in a storm together and shelter was over here and Daniel was over here, Micah would run to Daniel, even though the shelter was there, because in his mind, he's got a connection in his head, is daddy's safe. Daddy's better than a big shelter. But, but that's, that God wants you to be like that. If I'm in the boat, stop. Stop panicking. Stop being afraid. I'm in the boat. 
you know. Um, Jesus has been building this type in faith in them. I mean, think about the faith of the centurion man, who's such an interesting story, um, because, you know, he has his sick servant at home, and Jesus says to him, well, should I come over there and heal him? And he says, no, 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 don't worry. I know how authority works. I'm a Roman centurion. And he's pretty much saying, I know that you can just heal him from where you are. Like, you know, and Jesus is like, my goodness, why doesn't everyone else have faith like this? And, you know, but that's childlike. I mean, that's almost the naivety of a child, isn't it? Like, towards a parent. Oh, they can make food appear from nowhere. Like, they can come and do stuff. He wants that type of faith. He wants you to have naive, child faith in God. As in, God will be there. God will provide. And God is there with me at always. And if He's with me, I'm not going to be afraid. He's been building this type of faith in them for a while. What about when they try and drive a demon out? And, he, and they say, why couldn't you drive it out? And they say, well, because you have so little faith, Jesus said. And Jesus said, look, if you just had a little bit of faith, as small as a mustard seed, you'd be able to move mountains. Yeah, but you'd be able to do great things. And it's that same idea of, look, it, it may not make much sense, but I need you to believe that with me, with the relying on me, you can overcome everything. You can overcome the things that I put in your way. Um, we, he wants us to have childlike faith. And the faith, the reason I handed you another copy of the Lord's Prayer is because I think it's not, it's not a mistake that Jesus teaches them how to pray at the start of Matthew's Gospel. And it's, and it's a prayer that draws you into the type of faith you need to have. So if you look in, look on the sheet in front of you, and we'll actually go through it in more detail towards the end. Um, the Lord's Prayer is... Oh, he's there again. The Lord's Prayer keeps calling us to lean into different attributes of God. So, you know, when it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our starting point, and this is how Jesus opens his prayers, he starts with acknowledging God as Father. You know, and it, just in that concept, you know, you're owning the fact that you're a child. Just in that concept, you're owning the fact that your father knows your needs and he loves you. In the second part, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're acknowledging that you're not the king. You're, you know, like it's an opportunity in that concept to in wherever there's a struggle between your will and God's will, your kingdom come is inviting God to have his way in your life. Um, if you're stressed about money, if you're stressed about the needs of your family, um, if you're stressed about, you know, like jobs and, and having enough, you know, give us today our daily bread. Invite God to be your provider. And, and, and you know, and, and if, you're, if you're feeling guilt about things or if there's bitterness in your heart, um, the next one invites us to lean into God as a forgiver. Forgive us our debts and then help us forgive others. And in the last two, it's all about God protecting us and delivering us. Are there things in your life that you need protection from? Lean into Him. Are there things that you can't overcome right now? Ask God for deliverance. Um, this, and if you think about all those concepts, it's about leaning into God as a father, isn't it? It's about saying, won't you protect me? Won't you, won't you um, be my father? Won't you deliver me from everything that's harming me? Won't you protect me? Um, he wants us to approach Him that way and have that sort of faith in Him. And, and, and the way it works is you get to experience greater grace with greater dependence. I mean, you get to experience greater grace with greater dependence. I mean, it's like if, if, you, if you hold your possessions like this and you act like 
they're always about to be at the end and you're always at the verge of going hungry and that's your posture in life, you never really get to experience the joy of God's provision because you're so busy stressing about every little, every little moment, you know? Or if you're someone who um, constantly tries to find your significance in the praise of man or in significance at work or then you never really get to experience God's love as a father because when we stop and we say, actually, my significance is in the fact that God is my father and I am his child, then, and, and you start to live that out, then you can experience that joy in your life. But unless you let go of these things, unless you stop turning this way, stop holding on to things so tight and trying to find your identity in things other than God, then you don't get to experience the peace. You don't get to experience the joy. I mean, Isaiah tells us that the ones that soar on wings of eagles are those that hope in the Lord. If your hope is in anything else, then apparently that type of strength is not for you. But if you want that type of strength, then your hope needs to be in the Lord. I mean, Philippians tells us that if you want the type of peace that we talk about at church, then you need to release things to God. It says, you know, those, those who release things to God, well, then they'll have his peace. Those that offer up everything they're struggling to God. And, you know, the Lord's Prayer helps you do that because you talk about what you need protection from. You talk about what you need deliverance from. God's peace will be there. But the Lord's Prayer is the type of faith we're called into. And children need, like, like you know, we need to approach God like one who is receiving not one who has the answers, but one who is happy to be led, happy to be loved, happy to be provided for. And, and that's the position we're called to as Christians. Um, on, the, on the second part of the passage, I, I want to come back to, to that. Um, it you know, it's got some very strong language about um, causing little ones to sin. Um, but it also has this interesting thing, and I've noticed that everyone here has two hands and two feet and two eyes, so no one's applied this literally yet. Thank goodness. Don't do it. Keep your eyes on. Keep your feet there. That's, that's right. We don't need you to do that. Um, but, what, but Jesus uses strong language here. But I think if we just stop and think for a moment, we can understand where his strength comes from. Why is there these strong words? Because it's all about, like, it's all about protecting yourself from the stupidity of living life without God. I mean, if if this is the posture we're called to, where we where we turn towards God and He leads us and He knows what's best for us and He loves us and He forgives us and He knows the boundaries of right and wrong and, and we get to do life um, with Him as our Father and Him leading us, if we get to have all that, then basically this is the way you could see Jesus' strength of word, language is this. Anything that tempts you to think that this is a better way to live, be ruthless with. Anything that makes you silly enough to think that this life is better without the creator of the world, don't be silly. Kick it out. Like, don't be silly. Don't be Anything that tells you that you're a better decider of right and wrong than God, uh-uh. Anything that tells you that there might be more joy in... in you know, there might be eternal satisfaction in finding your meaning in, like, cars or footy or sex or, like, anything that... Any dumb voice like that that makes you try and find your full meaning in those things as if, as if there can be more joy and satisfaction in just trying to force meaning from a godless world than just turning and receiving His care, 
Because you know what that is? You know what this whole thing is where we try and define right and wrong for ourselves and find uh, and, and, and try and find meaning in this world apart from God? It's called destruction. And it's destruction in this life and the next. None of those things come through for you. That's how idolatry works. I mean, so, you know, like, I, I guess it's, it's almost like this um, thing for me. Like, I was trying to think of it in terms of... Um, Hold on, I've got to look at my notes. Yeah, so I, I don't know, this is the thought I had recently with parenting, right? Like, and I've, I've shared this a bit. So I think one of the things that makes parenting harder than it needs to be, harder than it needs to be in our Western society, is because we live in a society that idolizes autonomy, idolizes autonomy. Like, so if you think of the word destiny, it's all about individualism. It's all about, well, I haven't fulfilled my destiny until I've achieved all the individual things that make me happy. That's how we talk about destiny in the Western world. It's an individual pursuit, which makes parenting a drag if that's what you focus on. Because what do kids do? How much time do you have for individual pursuits, John? Like, yeah, not that much, not that much. And so if your destiny, John, if your ultimate destiny, your God-given destiny is caught up in those individual pursuits, it probably wasn't the best idea to have kids, you know? Because, like, that's your destiny, right? Your destiny is to have all this and to go after all these things. But you know what? What if there was another message that said, actually, because you don't define right and wrong, you don't define destiny, I do, what maybe your life is in laying down your lives for others. Maybe there's life there and maybe there's a better life. And maybe there's a better life in loving others as God has loved you. And maybe that's your true destiny. And maybe we need to be careful about what we listen to because the devil fills our society with lies that rob the joy of something simple like parenting, which is beautiful, right? Like the thing is, but if I'm more focused on a Western society that tells me, Nate, you know, you've got to make sure you fulfill those inner, that inner destiny, whatever that is, and usually that's framed in individual pursuits, um, then basically what I can reduce my kids to is like a worthy distraction. Well, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing, but it's a worthy distraction from my ultimate destiny, which is over here, I don't know, writing a book about something or, I don't know, whatever your destiny is. Does that make sense? As in, we need to be ruthless with the messages and the people that make us think that facing this way away from God is better because it will destroy us. It will absolutely destroy you. If you fill your head trying to find meaning and satisfaction that God was meant to provide in this world, and, and I mean, it's like you need to be ruthless with it because it really is life and death. That really does destroy people. When people pursue, you know, like, I mean, the other gateway to this stuff is comparison. Comparison kills us. Comparison is like spiritual death. As soon as you start looking at the lives of others and going, oh, and making an idol of what you think they have and coveting over the time that you think they have. And, you know, like comparison is, is a killer. Um, but basically we need to be ruthless with ourselves. But the obvious extension of that is, you know, when Jesus says, but if you cause one of these little ones to stumble... And it's, yes, it's about children, but it's actually about anyone because he's calling us all to be like children. So anything we do that causes people to think that maybe facing away from God is better, you can understand why that's such an awful sin in God's eyes because you're robbing them over the very, the most joyful, peaceful, eternal, secure place they can be, which is in relationship with God. 
Um, you know, and, and this can take a whole bunch of different forms, but a few forms I see in the church sometimes is when people are flippant about the convictions of others. And the Bible has really strong words about that. You may not have a strong conviction about something, but if you're flippant about something, someone else's conviction, about, you know, and it could be something that you think is silly or is not important, um, but you can really cause them to stumble and discourage them in their faith. Um, one of them, and I, I have, this is particularly heavy on me as a minister, but as someone who carries around the name of Jesus, it's heavy on you as well, is that if you misrepresent God to someone, and they, as someone who claims to be a follower of Jesus, and then their ideas of Jesus are formed on you, um, yeah, that's a really that's a really bad thing to someone because you're a force that pushes someone away from God. But I think, um, you know, and, and I guess for you guys, that may be something you can process for yourselves. Like, what are the ways that um, we can discourage each other and um, pull each other away from God? But on the topic of children, I guess I've been really... I mean, we all know this, right? Like, and I think the parents in the room know this and the ones who... Um, got adult children know this and I can assure this to my parents who are here and I love them very much but look at the end of the day there's all the techniques in the world but we know that parenting is more caught than taught right like ultimately my, my dad and my mum they they had lots of techniques but at the end of the day I knew their strengths and I knew their weaknesses and I respected less the things that they instructed me on if they were personally weak in those areas like that's just you know as you grow older you come to know um, where your parents maybe are imperfect and, and where they're strong and, and you tend to just, I mean it's not surprising when you meet like a 13 year old kid in high school, like Daniel knows this, and you meet their dad or their mum, you start to go, oh, because they just start to be their parents. That's just what happens. Now, if that's true, but if that's true, that's, this, is, this is so crucial, then how important is it that our kids see us as people who have childlike faith? I mean, how important is it that when things get a little tight, for instance, resource-wise, I mean, they don't see instant panic and trying to control and, and fear. Because we're trying to tell them that there's this big, beautiful God to trust and walk in, and then they see their parents panic and fret whenever resources get tight. Does that make sense? Like, how, how can we, um, or basically whenever things go against us at work or whatever, you know, if do our kids see us our first thing is angry and trying to trying to take it out on others or or do they see parents who who go you know what there's a you know I'm gonna lean into my father in heaven um, I've noticed that my parents stay peaceful through all this they pray about it um, because at the end of the day what I've realized is no matter what I tell my sons one of the harsh realities is they're just gonna know me by the time they're 15 they're just gonna know if it's a game or not, they're just going to know if it's a show or not. They're just going to know, um, and and it's going to be like um, super important to me that when they looked up to their mum and dad, they saw people who actually lent into God, who actually prayed, who actually offered things up to Him. Because parenting is more caught than taught. Parenting is more caught than taught. Our kids know us, and there's no way around that. Um, and so. My challenge, which is so important, brings it home for me, is that um, when it says, you know, don't cause one of these little ones to stumble, I realise now that one of the most important applications for that is that my kids need to see me 
having that sort of faith in God on a daily basis. They just need to see it. No matter how, what parenting techniques I'm employing, the point is if it's not there genuinely, they'll see through it. They'll absolutely see through it. Um, and it's just a good reminder for all of us. So, I guess what I wanted to um, do as a bit of a, a closing thing, because you've got the Lord's Prayer there. Can you have a look at it? Have a look at it. Um, and if you were to have a quiet moment with God right now, what is the attribute of God that you have needed to lean into recently? Like what, when you, when you, when you go through that list and you say, well, what is it, what is the attribute of God that you've really needed to lean into recently? Or you haven't been and you really should be leaning into it. Um, just, just take, I'm going to leave 30 seconds to just prayerfully look over it and just, um, just see if, see if the spirit raises up something, um, in you when you go, yeah, I really need to be leaning into that. If you want, and yeah, this is purely optional, why don't you take 30 seconds, if you want, you can sit there in silence, but if you want, why don't you tell the person next to you what, what it is you feel like you've needed to lean into recently. It can be one-way conversation, no conversation, two-way. Take, why don't, you just, why don't you just tell the person next to you what you've been leaning, what you've needed to lean into recently. Okay, well, their conversations, um, you're more than welcome to continue as, um, as we go on. Um, there's a reason I will, I will spruik uh, the, Lord's, the Lord's Prayer often, and um, it won't be the last time, and it won't even be the last time I hand out a sheet to help us reflect on it. It's because um, when someone pointed out to me that this is the prayer that the Lord handed us to pray, and then they pointed out to me that Jesus used this prayer to model prayer. 
when he prayed, he riffed off this prayer to his disciples. It made me realize that it's really weird if we don't reference it, if we don't use it, if we don't use it as a gateway into good prayer. Um, because Jesus not only said, hey, here's a way to pray, but when he was struggling, he lent into this prayer to help us work out where we are with God and to help us pray to him. So um, that's why I don't mind repeating good things. You guys know that. Don't mind repeating good things, so I'll do it again. Um, no apologies at all. Um, but make sure uh, you just take that home. And, and if you are stuck, if you are stuck in your prayer life, um, or you want to find a way to get started, just having that sheet and journaling on the basis of that sheet is such such a great start. Because there's, there's never a time in your life, never a time in your life where those attributes don't, like one of those attributes will be relevant. I mean, for me, it's deliverer. So like sometimes, sometimes I just struggle and struggle with things and I don't ask God for them. Like, does that make sense? Like, sometimes I'll just be fighting some negativity or some anger. And when was the last time I actually, hey, God, can you please deliver me from this? I'm too busy just fighting myself, fighting myself, fighting myself. And, and sometimes, not always, sometimes God makes me wrestle a bit in that space. But sometimes he actually releases it spontaneously. Like I, 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 I worship him, I ask him to deliver it from me. And, and it's almost like, well, that's all you needed to do. Like, because, you know, because I'm, I'm facing this way, I'm like, I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to fight and fight and fight. And I'm going to force myself not to be angry. And I'm going to... And Jesus is like, Nate, why don't you ask me to deliver you? you know, and sometimes he wants that, right? He just wants me to ask. And so for me, the attribute recently I've really needed to ask for is deliverance just from things. Like, because there's just cycles of feelings sometimes I couldn't get out of. Um, but I use the Lord's Prayer. When I'm stuck in my prayer life, sometimes I just go back to the Lord's Prayer and journal. So I encourage you to do that. I think it's really, really useful. Um, because the Lord's Prayer, going back to the start, if embracing that prayer helps you adopt the position of a child before a father. It helps you realize that, ah, that's right, he knows my needs, he's my king, he's my provider, he's my protector, he's my deliverer, he's the one who forgives me, and that's how I live my life. I depend on him. And so I just pray that we may experience the joy and the peace and the strength of that in your coming week, no matter what you're facing, um, because that's the type of faith we're called into, a faith that loves being a child. A faith that loves being a child, loves the fact that we have a father, loves the fact that we don't have to do it all ourselves and rests in that. All right, let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, I thank you so much for the people in front of me. Thank you for their friendship in you and, and their, their love of you. Um, we, we pray that you would just help us. Help us be like children. Help us um, trust you and lean into you even deeper, we pray, so that we can experience your grace and provision. Um, Lord, and, and, in, and in times where, um, you know, um, in situations where we might ask for deliverance or your provision and, and things don't seem to get better straight away and um, you might be trying to grow our faith, I still, still pray, Lord, that we maintain our faith in the same way Jesus wanted the disciples in the middle of the storm to maintain their faith. Help us just maintain our faith that when you're with us, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Come, come, come whatever. Lord, we just pray that you would help us have that wonderful childlike faith that associates safety as being with you, that associates um, 
joy with being with you, peace with being with you, strength with being with you. Fill us with that faith, we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, I, I didn't prepare a fifth song. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, just uh, enjoy this beautiful sunny day.